Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be together tonight. We thank you for the privilege of fellowship around the Word of God, the opportunity to worship and to glorify you and honor you in the middle of the week. So now we pause and we thank you for your mercy and your grace to us. And tonight as we think about your great goodness, your perfect goodness, we are, we are overwhelmed by your great goodness to us in Jesus Christ. So now, Lord, we pause and we think about the what we don't want to think about, but we must. We must, uh, we must give our consideration to the suffering that exists among our own people and the suffering of the world. Oh, the sadness of suffering of the sinner tonight. We pray for the family of this recent young man in the schools here who committed suicide. We pray for the family. Oh, the deep sadness, the depression and the discouragement that grips so many tonight. Sickness and pain and sorrow all around. The misery of the world. The misery of sin. The misery of regret. The corroding effects of unforgiveness and anger and bitterness in the hearts and minds of people. So tonight we're, we, we need your help and that's why we come to the book of Lamentations. So that we as your people might have real hearts. Give First Baptist Church and the people of this church hearts like Jesus. Soften our hard-heartedness. Our arrogance and our judgmental attitudes. Break us down so that we might be of usefulness to you and your purposes. Tonight I continue to plead on behalf of the foster children. They are orphans in the state of Tennessee. They're everywhere around the world. But our opportunity is here. I pray for the government. I pray for the governor of this state the representatives who have responsibility you've given to them. They have the responsibility of caring for these children. May they do it in a proper way. May these children have a place to stay besides a government office building. May they have adequate clothing and food. As Jeremiah himself has said, is it anything to all of you who pass by? Well, Lord, is it anything to us at First Baptist Church Dixon?
Or are we like the rest? Our families are good. We have everything we need. So we move on. Stop us as we pass by. Give this church a new freshness to share the gospel. That's all that will make the difference. <clears throat> and we ask that you might, again, allow the sufferings we go through to cause us to draw near to you and to rest in your wonderful goodness, which is so glorious, it's beyond our own description and understanding. But tonight, may the Holy Spirit of God help us to understand your perfect, wonderful goodness. For the Lord is good to those who wait for Him and seek Him. May that truth tonight from the prophet Jeremiah in his lamentation come to be our statement and confidence in our sufferings, both now and in the future. Our lives are in your hands. The work of this church is in your hands. So may we do what we do to glorify and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, find your place in Lamentations. It's good to see you. Happy New Year. We are continuing in the book of Lamentations. And uh, uh, those of you who are online, may the Lord bless you. I know that there are, there are a number of you who always join us that way. You've communicated that, so we don't want to ever forget you. God bless you. And for all of you who are here, we're glad you're with us. Some of you may be here for the first time. Uh, so we're working our way through the book of Lamentations, which helps us to understand what I'm calling how God is in our sufferings. So tonight we continue, and, I, and I've said this to, before, you know, I, I would wish that all of our church could hear what I'm talking about because these words are very important to us, and, but that's just not possible. But I encourage people, if they can, to go back and listen to what we've looked at. I cannot review it all. <laughs> it's just impossible to do it. So we find ourselves in Lamentations. Lamentations is made up of... Uh, Five laments, holy laments by the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1. Each of them, these are acrostics based on the beauty of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, they're, they're wonderful. They're beautiful. Uh, there are 66 verses in chapter 3, as I've mentioned to you before, which is, uh, you know, the, the, the beautiful picture of uh, 22 three times. It's uh, the alphabet repeated three times. The Hebrew alphabet in a beautiful poetic way. And then we find uh, these verses, 22 verses in chapter 4. And then we finish with this great prayer of mercy in chapter 22. Uh, excuse me, 22 verses in chapter 5. So where are we? Well, we've slowed way down. We've slowed down because we come to this section uh, in Hebrew, excuse me, Lamentations 3, beginning in verse 19, where... Jeremiah is speaking now out loud. I used a fancy word a couple of weeks ago and it threw some 
people off, so I just I said to them, go Google it and you can figure out. A soliloquy. I know we don't say that much in Dixon. But here's a soliloquy. It's speaking out loud to yourself. And so he's doing, he's, he's, he's speaking this lament about his condition. This is Jeremiah, holy man of God. I've said this to you repeatedly that the way we help people in their sufferings and the way we help ourselves in our sufferings is to speak about our suffering. Not ignore it, not pretend it doesn't exist, not play like it's not real. That's the world's way. Or the world's way is, look, just hurry and get over it. <laughs> you may never get over it, but you learn how to, you learn how to walk with God in your suffering. Some have this idea that they're going to have X amount of suffering and then there'll be no more suffering. And so it's a trade-off. I'm going to have all my suffering when I'm young. I'm not going to have any when I'm old. The reality is the Lord Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. And so you're always going to have trouble. So am I. So the question is, how do we do it? And how do we deal with it? And the other question is, so how do we minister to those around us, our family and our friends who suffer? That's what this is all about. How can we read these wonderful words that we're going to focus on in verse number? I hope you picked up the outline. Uh, it'll help you because I can't read all the verses to you and have you look them all up. Lamentations 325. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. The Lord is good. Present tense. Not has been, not will be. The Lord is. He is the Lord. He is the eternal one. He is permanently the God of the present tense. We live in the past and then we go to the present and then we go to the future. God is the God of the present tense. He is eternal. But before we do that, we go back and this is what I want you to hear tonight. This is what we must do. This is what we must turn and face, my dear friends, in First Baptist Church. Uh, Nothing grieves me more than to hear Christians who talk about people and their suffering as if, well, they just deserve it. Yeah. They probably do in their sin. So does that, does that make you feel better? To, well, they deserve it. Good. I'm moving on. No. No, until the Lord grips our hearts with the misery and suffering of the world, we'll never share the gospel. We won't care to do that. We just want to be con not inconvenienced and we want to be happy in our own little worlds. It's a false illusion. Because if uh, you, you're not experiencing it, we all do. We all have those who walk dear, dear to us and close to us who suffer. Why do, I, why do I continue to bring before you this matter of foster children? Because they have, think about it, there's no champion. No one. None. Everybody's got, that's my job, then I go home. No, this is our business as Christians. It's unjust, and it must be dealt with, and we must say what it is. Even to your most favorite politicians. Chapter 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction. Because... Of the wrath and the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. 
He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places he has made me dwell like those who have been long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter into my inward parts. I have become a laughing stock to all my people, their mocking song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of Your Word. And may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the focus tonight is this, that God's goodness is shown to those who wait and seek God in their suffering. Again, God's goodness is shown to those who wait and seek God in their suffering. We learn from Jeremiah that it wasn't that he rejoiced in God's goodness when suffering was over. In the midst of Jerusalem being destroyed and the temple being taken apart and the, and the people being hauled off to Babylon, as we read in the first two uh, laments of this chapter. And uh, then we see these instances, as we'll see in chapter 3 and others, of cannibalism among the people who are trapped in the city with no food, nothing. The devastation and judgment of God has come now. That's been preached and preached and preached by the prophets and never heard. Now the absolute judgment of God falls and Jeremiah, the holy man of God, suffers through the judgment of God among these people because that was the calling God gave him so that he might teach us about lament and how to sorrow. So tonight we come to this wonderful phrase, this wonderful sentence. This is, this is where we're taking our time. Because you see, he says in verse 18, my strength has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. See it in quotations? So I say, here's what I'm saying in my suffering. But wait a minute. Then he has this glorious experience of remembering God in his suffering and who he is in his character 
And then he says, his soul says, verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. He speaks to himself about the glory of God. You may be in your suffering and not be able to speak to anybody else about it, but you can speak to yourself about who God is in his glory, in his perfections, and how he can help you. This is what we must learn to do, is speak to ourselves in spiritual ways, the truths that we learn in God's Word. I was speaking to one of our people who's struggling and going through a very hard physical time, and this person said to me, I don't know where I would be had I not been taught the Word of God so that it comes to my mind in times when I'm in my most intense suffering. That's it. That's it. The Word of God is for us in our troubles and pains. So now tonight, consider with me, in the badness of the world, the glorious eternal goodness of God. Amen. That's what I want us to think about tonight. Whatever you're going through, whoever hears my voice, whoever's listening online, whatever you're facing, whatever you will face, in the days ahead, whatever you see with your eyes that is of badness and awfulness, let's consider the goodness of the Lord. And this is where Jeremiah is. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in Him, and the Lord is good to those who wait for Him. So what have we seen? Well, we saw in chapter 3, verse 22, the Lord is loving. Did you see it there? The Lord's loving kindness is plural. They never cease. God loves you forever. God loves you eternally. You are loved eternally by God. And it's unconditional love. The, the Lord is kind. This word loving kindness is actually two words. It is the kindness of God. The loving kindnesses of God. The Lord is compassionate, verse 22. <laughs> His compassions never fail. Verse 23. All of his love and kindness and compassion is permanently faithful. He always is dependable. He always faithfully loves us. He always faithfully is kind to us. He is always faithfully compassionate to us. He is always faithful to us, even when we are not faithful. What did James say? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting of shadow. Every good gift, it's always the eternal faithfulness of God who loves us, who is kind and compassionate. Oh, consider tonight, where, while you sit here, this is your chance to break away from the distractions and the horror and the badness of the world and consider for a while here in this room the glory of God's faithful goodness. He is our portion. If we have the Lord for our portion, as we looked at a few weeks ago, this word portion, it's our land, it's our part, it's our peace. If we have God, we don't need anything else. The Lord is our portion, says my soul. If I have God, I have enough. Therefore, I have hope in Him. Hope starts to rise as we consider and think about God. So when you're in your suffering, <clears throat> you know, recently, so in mine, laying in that bed there, 
after going through my uh, recent uh, surgery situation, what can you do? Well, in, in your most lucid moments when you're not under medication, which drives you out of your mind, you try to consider and think about the glory of God. You think about the loving kindness of God. You think about His compassion. You think about His faithfulness to you in all of your days. You think about the Lord is your portion. What does that mean? The Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He is your portion. You consider Him. If you have Him, you need nothing else. And then Yahweh is good. Yahweh, the Yahweh is good. Yahweh is tov, is the Hebrew word. Good. The word good. It means the absence of all badness. It means, uh, in a moral sense, perfect rightness without any wrongness, any sinfulness. It is a word that means, good means pleasant. Good means, uh, this Hebrew word means agreeable, pleasing. The Lord is pleasing. He is agreeable. He is, he is without any sin, as James says, without any variation or shifting of shadow. There is no darkness in God. God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all, John tells us. And so what does, what does Paul tell us? God causes all things to work together for good because He is eternally good. I want you to consider the goodness of God tonight in your life. I want you to consider the glory of God's glorious perfection of goodness. This is something we must learn. This is how we meditate. We you know, meditation is taking some ideas or some concept or truth about God and looking at it from multiple ways, looking at it in multiple viewpoints, uh, turning it over and looking at it from every side. It's the same thing that you would find uh, someone doing who's working on a particular a wood project. They take the piece of wood they're working on, they look at it from all the angles and all the sides and how they're going to put it together. This is what we do. We must pause. This is not American Christianity. We don't know how to practice this. This is why our minds are in the shape they're in. This little section here alone is buried and placed in the middle of this book of laments to show us paradise. Paradise is when you set your mind on things above and the one who is above. When you get your mind out of the gutter, when you get your mind off of the things you cannot change in the badness of your life and in the world, and you set your mind, you set your mind on things above. That's right. It is a spiritual discipline that is given to us by the Holy Spirit and you must do it. So let's meditate for a moment on the glorious perfection of God's goodness. This should bring us to worship. I just read these words to you. Psalm 25, 8. God, good and upright is the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you tasted? Have you seen? Have you tasted? Look, go to your darkest moment in your past life. You remember tasting the goodness of God? You remember seeing the goodness of God? Oh, taste and see that the Lord, not what He does, not what He gives us, the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. I will give thanks to Your name, O Lord, for it is good. The name of the Lord is good. 
You are good and you do good. Psalm 119, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. You see, God's goodness satisfies. Psalm 103, 5, who satisfies your years with good things. And some of us have sat in this room and lived long enough to know as we followed Jesus Christ, our Lord, that you've been satisfied with good things. God's given you what you need. He satisfied you with good things. And as I read earlier, God brings goodness out of all kinds of bad things. He works all things together for good to those who love God. Oh, Pastor Mike, what am I going to do? Someone said not long ago, I just feel like our whole family's falling apart. All things work together for good to those who love God. Do you love God because He's making everything good for you? Or do you love God no matter whether it's good or bad? Do you love God when things are all happy and the sun's shining and everything's wonderful and you've gotten everything you want and desire? Or do you love God when the bottom has fallen out and you've experienced deep struggles? All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purposes. God's goodness in loving kindness is eternal. He will always love you eternally. Oh, the goodness of God's eternal love. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. For His loving kindness is everlasting. The goodness of God endures continually. I want you to pause tonight. Consider the goodness of God. The Lord said, there is none good but God. We think about, well, that's a good man. That's a good woman. There's none good but God. Any goodness we have comes from the grace of God through salvation in Jesus Christ. I remind you, Romans 3, none are good. None seek after God. Sinfulness creates badness, not goodness. And there is one only who is eternally good. And no matter how bad the world is, no matter how sinfully bad the world is, God is eternally good. I want you to think tonight about the goodness of God in your life. God's goodness leads to repentance, Romans 2.4. The goodness of God leads to repentance. God has been good enough to us, to all of us in this room, that He has tolerated us and been patient with us in our sin and given us time to repent. And that's what He's doing with many sinners today around the world. Giving them time to repent. The goodness of God keeps us prepares us, helps us to come to repentance and softens our heart. What is it that brings repentance? The goodness of God. The goodness of God. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The Lord Jesus did good in his ministry. What did Peter preach? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good. And the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is good news. God is good. God is good through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to celebrate. Praise God tonight. The Lord is eternally good, essentially good. What I mean by that is He is goodness. He is goodness. The quality of good is only in God. It is not a human quality. The Lord is unlimited in His good. The Lord is the highest of good. 
And all that comes from God is good. God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was good. God is good. God is good. He is gloriously good. Can anybody say amen? amen. Now. Yes, all the time. And forever. Now, stop for a moment. How has he been good to you? We're not just going through a Bible lesson to get through the Bible so we can learn these words. How has God been good to you? You have a piece of paper there. You ought to jot some things down. You ought to go home tonight and before you lay your head on the pillow and go to sleep, you ought to say, here are the things today that I want to say to you, Lord, I am so grateful for, the, for your goodness. You know, when you sit with someone in suffering, talk to them about how God's been good to them. You sit with them, oh, this is happening to me. Oh, I'm suffering. Oh, I have this cancer. Oh, I have this. I have, oh, I've, I've lost this. I have this broken relationship. Oh, I have. All right. Now, while all of that's happening in your life, tell me how God's been good to you. It helps them. This is better than medicine. This is divine medicine. The Lord is Lovingly good. He is kindly good. He is compassionately good. He is faithfully good. He is always faithfully good to us. He is good to us when we don't even understand or see His goodness in our lives. I ask you tonight, my brothers and sisters, I've tried to do this before I speak to you so that I can come here uh, prepared to ask you the question, how has God been good to you? And I promise you, if you will answer that, it will remove the bitterness and the sadness and the anger from your life. It will raise you up and give you a new spirit. But you see, God's goodness is tied to some qualities in our lives. Yes, there's general goodness in God that He permits and allows sinners to stay in their sin, uh, and, and He is generally good to all of creation. But the goodness of God to His children is a special thing. And now I want to talk to you about waiting for a good God in your bad situation. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Some of the men in this room have to wait for their wives a lot. And some of the wives in this room have to wait for their husbands a lot. And some of the parents in this room have to wait for their kids a lot. That means one's ahead of the other. Wait. What is the word? This Hebrew word wait, I've given it to you here, is the idea of expectant hope. It is the idea of confident expectation. That's, that's what the Hebrew word means. It's expectation. It's not waiting, you know, with our fingers, you know, on the wood. Trying, what, what will happen? What will happen? It's not fretting. It's waiting. It's waiting. It's waiting. So something's turned bad and turned wrong with your adult children. You wait on God. You wait on God. We just said it. He's good. If God is good, 
Wait on Him. Wait on Him. I gave you the famous one. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> That's a result. But look at the promises of waiting. I gave three from Psalm 25. None who wait on the Lord will be ashamed. If you wait on God, God will never shame you. So you have to say to unbelievers, well, I'm trusting God for that. And they laugh at you. <laughs> you are? You're trusting God for that? Looks pretty bad to me. How's that ever going to work out for you? If you wait on God, you'll never be put to shame. God saves those who wait on Him. Psalm 25, 5. And God protects those who wait for Him. You see, there's protection in waiting on God. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Are you waiting for God tonight? Are you waiting for God? Are you ahead of Him? You know what the kids do when you take them to the park? They run out ahead of you. Get out there. They go. Or they want to hurry up and get to something. And they're always calling for you to hurry up and come on. We get ahead of God, don't we? We've got it all worked out. We've solved the problem. We don't really need God to do it. We just need God to bless what we've already figured out. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. So perhaps tonight, that's why it seems that the goodness of God doesn't seem to be so strong in your life because you're not waiting on God. So fellow said, I don't wait on anybody. Well, you're going to wait on God. God's goodness comes to those who by faith wait for the Lord's help. And those who wait on the Lord wait in enduring trust for the Lord. I said enduring trust. You have to trust God and you have to, you have to do it while you're enduring in your suffering. Those who wait on the Lord gain strength in their suffering. Jeremiah is in the middle of disaster and destruction and the complete judgment of God on the nation of Israel. And in the midst of the destruction, he says, the Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Wait on the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Some of you tonight, you came here and that's what you need to hear. Wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Those who wait on the Lord, hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in His Word do I hope. So consider this. Many in their sufferings do not wait on the Lord. That's just the facts. God doesn't even enter into their suffering. They don't consider the Lord at all in their suffering. Many in their sufferings do not wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord provides the mind with hopefulness in the midst of affliction. You want help for your mind? I said to you, this is, this is something that no drug can ever do for you. When you wait on the Lord and you set your mind on the glorious perfections of God and how much He loves you, it will change your mind. It will alter your thinking. And waiting on the Lord is a mark of endurance. And endurance is necessary in our suffering.
So the Lord is perfectly good to those who wait for Him in their suffering, and the Lord is perfectly good to those who seek Him in their suffering. Now this is quite one, this is, seems to be quite a contrast. I'm waiting for Him, and now I'm seeking Him. Yes, there it is. You see, we think waiting is passive, but waiting is not passive. It is confident expectation and trust that God is going to come through. However, He chooses to come through. But seeking Him, oh, this is another matter. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. This word seek is a word that means to go to, to resort to. Many of you have been, you, you went off and you sought a vacation time. You, you frequently go to places that are special to you, maybe to the uh, to the you know to Gatlinburg or to the beach or wherever it may be you you resort you seek to that place that is of special significance but do you seek God do you seek God you seek relationships with your friends you seek relationships with your family you you, you seek after the things that possessions in the world but do you seek God this becomes a very important matter. The goodness of God is connected to the seeking of God. As I seek God, goodness from God comes. As I wait on God, goodness from God comes. It is the good pleasure of God in His goodness to bless those who wait for Him. It is the good pleasure of God in His goodness to bless those who seek Him. Those who seek God, seek Him earnestly. I've just given you some selections from the Psalms. Oh God, You are my God. I shall seek You earnestly. This was my point on Sunday morning. On prayer. When you pray, but you, the Lord said, when you pray, go in your inner chamber. Shut the door. And pray to your Father in secret. You see, there's earnestness. There's a commitment there. I'm going to go seek God. I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to seek audience with Him. I'm going to seek relationship with Him. I'm going to seek to find the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to seek to know God's Word. I'm going to seek Him. I'm going to be earnest about it. It's going to become the ambition of my life. The driver Look, you know when somebody's seeking to be rich. You know when somebody's seeking to be famous. You can see what people are seeking by the way they behave. The way I live is based upon the, the, the actions of my life demonstrate what I value and what I seek and pursue. And those who seek God do it earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Those who seek God seek His fellowship, seek the Lord in His strength, seek His face continually. Oh, to be in the presence of God the Father in private prayer and to enjoy time alone with God. What a relief. What a relief. What a, I've used it before tonight, what a paradise that secret place is when you can meet God. And what a joy it is when we all come here together to seek the Lord together. Those who seek the Lord, seek Him in prayer. We're going to get to this in days ahead. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek 
and you'll find. Knock, and it will be open to you. And those who seek God seek His kingdom and His righteousness. What did the Lord say at the end of that section on worry? The gen, you know, seeking clothing, seeking food, seeking shelter, seeking, seeking all of these things. Don't worry. Don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things come. You see, when we seek God, He puts it all in order. And in His goodness, He provides. And those who seek God by faith are rewarded with His goodness. I remind you again of one of those definitions about faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. God rewards those who seek Him. Now back to Lamentations. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. Pause. Are you seeking God? What are you seeking in your life? What is it you seek, my friend? Do you seek... Do you seek... Uh, what is it you're seeking? How important is it to you that you seek God and pursue Him? So what do we remember tonight? Well, God is good all the time in all circumstances and in all the seasons of life. I remind all of my younger brothers and sisters who are here in this room tonight that God is going to be good to you all of the seasons of your life. And I remind my fellow old people here, how else can I say it, that God has been good to you in all of your seasons of life and He's being good to you in this season of your life. So maybe you should go home and say, thank you, right? Rather than, Lord, I can't blah, blah, blah. Okay. Be thankful for the goodness of God. Be thankful for it. God's goodness leads to salvation in Jesus Christ. The only way we know goodness is to see it in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the goodness of the Lord Jesus. The best news is good news of the gospel. The best news is good news. The best news is good news. It's been interesting to watch and listen to our people talk about what they, their favorite best news of the, uh, of the day. What the news of the day is in the world. What's their best news? What they get the most excited about as the best news. Well, I love it because, you know, we remember what the angel said. I bring you glad tidings, great of good news. Today is born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The best news is good news of Jesus Christ in the gospel, right? So go tell somebody some good news. When they start in on whatever it is they're spinning on about how terrible everything is, say, you know, I got some good news. Jesus saves. Has he saved you? Suffering can be endured for those who wait on the Lord in their troubles. I have witnessed it in my life, and many of you have too, with some who have walked with God so deeply that they, and they have been in incredible suffering, and yet they seem to be so strong and endure and joyful in the midst of horrible, terrible struggles. We endure suffering because we wait in our troubles on the Lord.
You see, waiting on God is a, uh, just, I got to finish this, but waiting on God is a, is a way of life. It's not a season. See, this is the, this is the, uh, what, le- what uh, Jeremiah is trying to say to us here, dear friends, is, is that this is the way you live. You wait and you seek God. That's the way you live, the Christian life. You wait and you seek God. Some have the idea, well, I'm going to wait like I'm at the waiting room. I'm going to wait and then I'm going to finish waiting. You're never going to finish waiting. You're always going to wait on God. Because His agenda and priorities are bigger than you. You don't set the agenda, nor do I. His purposes will be accomplished in the world. We wait on God because our church and what we do here together and what you do in your life as a believer, it all ties to the purposes of God, not your purposes. This is where we read the Bible from this twisted, self-centered way. You're not going to wait and then stop waiting. You're going to wait on the Lord because that's the way you trust God. The Lord's going to always make it where you have to wait on Him. He knows best. And suffering, suffering is endured when we wait on the Lord. And you're going to wait and we're going to keep waiting. And we're waiting for the blessed hope of His return. Seeking God in suffering brings great support. And I would submit to you that great comfort comes in the midst of great suffering when we wait and seek God. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. To the praise of the glory of His grace. To the praise of the glory of His gracious goodness. You know, if it weren't for the goodness of God, He'd just kill us all and send us to hell. You know that, don't you? If it wasn't for the goodness and grace of God, He wouldn't have forgiven you when you did that terrible sin in your life. But He has. And He does. And He will. So let's go tell the world the good news of the gospel. The Lord is near to the door, my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to give any current events. You listen to all the news. You've heard it all today. The Lord is near to the door. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. Heavenly Father, We love you and we thank you for your word. You are the glorious good God. Lord Jesus, your goodness is beyond description. You are the good God. You have given us good things. And you bring good out of the bad. What can we say but thank you? What can we be but grateful? And what can we be but by the Holy Spirit do good to others, even if they do bad to us? Teach us this lesson in our good works. May we see those in their brokenness. May we see those who are helpless. May we see the innocent who are suffering. And may we do our part at our jobs and our families and as a church. 
so that Jesus Christ will be glorified until He comes again. Thank you for these dear people, my friends. Bless them all in their suffering. May they see and experience the goodness of God both today and in the days ahead. And thank you for the goodness you've shown us in our past. We praise you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good. May the Lord bless you. Have a great week. See you Sunday, Lord willing.